live from the capital of the Commonwealth. This is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. Puts it up, goes down, hoping for a foul, and now oh. he's been teed up and he's gone. And this referee, unfortunately, is going to be the most unpopular person in the ball of Asia right now because this is going to be it for Luka Doncic. You can't risk it. Bob, did you know that world-class basketball is being played as we speak? Not by Luka Doncic, it's not. I can tell you that. He's gone out of here. Goodbye. See ya. You know, just before the Open aired on 106.1 ESPN, I asked AJ to lead me to the promised land. Lead me wherever he wanted to go today. I will give you full disclosure. It's been a pretty full day of Richmond football prep for yours truly which hopefully will make for a fine broadcast on Saturday afternoon, no matter what happens, from Spartan Stadium in East Lansing, Michigan. In the meantime, all sorts of sports have been happening around me, swirling all around me, and I said, A.J., lead us off this afternoon. You know, I gave him that subtle hint. Lead us off. Give me something baseball-related that I can actually talk about without having to have studied it. But I knew where my man A.J. was going to go. And as that open was playing, I clicked on my computer to ESPN.com and coverage of the Basketball World Cup as Canada clinches a berth in the semifinals. Good for them. Go Canada. They're our friendly neighbor. So I'm glad they won. I don't know if Lucas should have been thrown out or not, but he was. And it certainly helped Canada win that game over Slovenia. 189 last night and now canada gets a semi-final matchup with serbia got any odds on that game aj or maybe i should ask matt that question no no odds but i have predicted a canada u.s final from the very beginning and it scares me to say i think canada is going to take it well if they could put down some frozen water that would be a really good game they could play it on the frozen pond i'm not so sure in manila the philippines they can do that necessarily but that would make a really good hockey game, I think. Bob, these guys, this Canada team doesn't need it, man. This is a strong, strong team. They're playing well. I knew they were going to look good, and they have not disappointed. They are the number one team in the tournament right now. I'm all in on Canada. I mean, I'd be all in on the United States as well. So the U.S. plays Germany, is that right, in the other yeah, semifinal? Yeah. And then the World Cup title on Sunday night. I think it would be really cool if it was Canada. And the United it, States. It's going to be huge. I just want to say, I just want to point out to everyone like one thing, since I, I might be the only one besides Rob paying attention to this, is that Anthony Edwards and Shea Childress Alexander are are really emerging as dominant players that will come in and and, and be the guys moving forward. I remember Shea Gilgis Alexander as a college player. He was really good. What do you have the other night? 31, right? Yeah. And then he, R.J. Barrett, right, from Duke? R, yeah, my boy. He's looking yeah. good. 
Yeah, I've, at, tw- I've, at 24. I've held with him, man. I, I was a bigger RJ guy than um than Zion, and and that's been a hard stock to hold on to, but it's looking good. It's looking like it's going to pay off now. So it really is kind of interesting. I mean, admittedly, I have not followed this, and I knew exactly where you were going to lead. Some of that you did because you were poking the bear here, right? You were poking the bear. That's me. I'm the bear in this case. And I have awoken from the basketball slumber. But listen to this. Canada won the silver medal in the Olympics in 1936. And in 22 subsequent trips to either the Olympics or what they're playing now, the World Cup, they have not had one medal. Not one. Not gold, not silver, not bronze. Sounds like the bear had one eye open. Yeah, yes. So this is going to be their best finish no matter what um, happens the rest of the way. So so good for them. And then Slovenia, which lost, right, bidding to make the World Cup semifinals for the first time since 1991, uh, which is the year they gained independence, according to the history paragraph of the ESPN.com story. So well, you go ahead. You've got some teams here that, you know, this is fresh stuff for them. Well, here's what's crazy. So, so this is just the FIBA, uh, as far as better not as speed, but to the rest of us. But yep. yeah, <laughs> the the thing about it is, is when we get to the Olympics, they're going to have Murray and Barnes as well on this team, and there's a couple other guys missing. Like this team is might win the gold medal. Which team? Uh, Canada. Really? You think Canada's going to win basketball they, gold, They are right? dominating. They are dominating without Jamal Murray and Scotty Barnes. You do realize that history tells you that's not going to happen because of what I just rattled off. But, I, I hear you. But it could. It, it could. And that's next summer, right? Next summer in yep. Paris. Miracles happen. Dan Snyder no longer owns the uh, Commanders. <laughs> you sound like Al Michaels. Do you know who Al Michaels is? Definitely know who Al Michaels is. Just making sure. Because he had that famous call, right? 1980 Winter Olympics. Do you believe in miracles? Of course. When the United States I'm a won? Big, I'm a big hockey fan, too, yeah. You do know I was at that game, right? You Yes, we talked about that. Okay, we've talked about that. that which I think is the coolest thing I have heard since being here, is that you were there. Have you heard the, uh, as we like to call them, at least back in the day, the voicer that I did from there? Somewhat illegally? I I do believe it's in our files. I do believe it's in our files. If I know Mitchell Bradley and I know Mitchell Bradley, it is somewhere in our 1061 ESPN files, and I have a copy of it. Of course, I have a copy of it on a reel-to-reel tape, so I don't know where that's going to get played, but I do have a copy. No, I'm kidding. I actually have it on my laptop as well. But, yes, I was a young Syracuse University student that covered the 1980 Winter Olympics in Lake Placid, New York, And as the story goes, and I'm boring the portions of our audience that listen every day, and I thank all of you for doing that, certainly. But back in those days, most of the Olympic competition aired on tape on ABC because they wanted it in prime time. And even though it was in the United States and on the East Coast, a lot of events were played during the weekdays, right? Between Monday and Friday, between, you know, 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. They were played like that hockey game was. And they delayed broadcast that hockey game until 8 o'clock at night so they could show it in prime time. And there was a moratorium on reporters doing anything live from the event with it. It's not like today. It's not like the, the times we live in now where everything's on social media. They really could pretty much uh, guarantee a blackout on the live coverage 
of that hockey game. So there I am with my tape recorder and microphone, and I'm way up in the rafters, which really isn't that high up at the uh, hockey arena in Lake Placid, which I think still exists to this day. And I'm standing up there because that's kind of where they gave us to be, us and all the other reporters. And as it came down to the last minute, I just kind of, I don't know, you had the sixth sense, obviously, that history is about to be made. And somehow I had to do something about it. So I kind of did like half play-by-play and half commentary of the last 60 seconds of that hockey game. Uh, recorded it. Now they win the they win the darn game. I finish up my report and I'm like, the heck with this. I work at a renegade student radio station at Syracuse University. I'm getting this on the air. So I take my tape recorder. I had to go back to what's called you know the media center. That's where you filed your reports from. You just couldn't snap your fingers and you're on the internet and you're able to put it on the air. That doesn't happen back in 1980. And I go running through the Olympic Village like, um, you know, uh, give me a good running back from back in the day. I don't know who it would Walter have been. Walter Payton. Walter Payton, perfect, with the, with the tape recorder tucked under my arm like a football, making sure I don't drop it, lose it, break it, erase it. Although you probably look more like Zonka. I like that. He went to Syracuse, so that's a good one. That's a, that's a really good comparison. You're welcome. It's better than like Jim Brown because, you know, I can't be like Jim Brown and he went to Syracuse or Floyd Little, who also went to Syracuse. But anyway, I take it back to the Olympic Media Center and I get it on the air on our fine. I was going to say little student radio station. There was nothing little about Syracuse's student radio station. It was a powerful uh, student radio station then and it is today as well. FM 88, in case you're in the Syracuse area and you want to tune in, the next great crew of sports broadcasters is being trained as we speak at WAER FM 88 at Syracuse University. Anyway, and it played on the air. Um, and I really thought, AJ, I know I've totally digressed here. No, this is the coolest story anyone but can hear about. I, I totally felt at that moment that, like, that was going to be the highlight of my career at 21 years of age, not just a highlight of my career. Now, fortunately, I've been fortunate and blessed to cover some really good events beyond that. But I still would say that's kind of the Mount Rushmore of the events there, that I've covered in my career. There isn't many bigger. Like the, right. you know, like Ali Frazier. There's not that many bigger than that, to be honest. So, so I think, and again, I'm kind of getting off on a different tangent here, but I do think when you get entrenched in a community, as I have in Richmond and in a university community, like I have in the University of Richmond, and you get to know the people better and the landscape better, that there are events that I would put right up there with that because in that setting you're part of history for sure but i i didn't know any of those guys i didn't know herb brooks i didn't know michael well, ruzioni i don't know jim craig but the events i covered at richmond obviously i i know all of those people and you know the common thread runs a little bit deeper well there's bigger and then there's more meaningful i'm sure Ooh, it's not one. even in your top 10 as far as meaningful you've had a great uh, career i would say it's in the top 10 and meaningful, but you're right. It would be things like winning the national championship in football and two Sweet 16s in basketball, and even the super regional that the baseball team went to back in the early 2000s. Probably all meaning more meaningful, but you're right. There probably it would be hard for there to be a bigger event. I think there have been you know some surveys and lists done. Probably like Sports Illustrated did it. 
it's like the top sporting event like in the history of United States sporting events. Because it, I'm it, serious it, about that. It's 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 it, as big, if not bigger, a story than Rocky. Only it's real. Like it, it, there's no reason we should have won. So let me bring that back full circle then. If your prediction comes true and Canada wins a gold medal at next summer's Olympic Games in Paris, France, where is that going to rate on the Canadian scale? Mm. I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on my Canadian sports. I think I'm uh, sure they've won hockey gold medals. That's for sure. A few. Yeah. Uh, there was a what was it? Eighty four. What was it? They they had a really good run. I thought in the eighties. But I, I don't know. In a sport that they're not exactly synonymous with, right? Yeah, I'm Basketball. just telling you, these these kids are hungry, I, they're talented, they have as much of the ability in the NBA as they as they can play like, you know, world basketball. They're they're dangerous. I've been I've been saying this for two years now and just seeing what they're doing in FIBA, like I'm just sitting there like they don't even have Jamal Murray on this team. All right. And can I just ask one more ignorant question about uh, this? hundred percent. Um, like, what's the qualification for, like, R.J. Barrett to be on the Canadian team? I mean, I know he went to Duke. Yeah. I don't even know where he's from, or how does he yeah, get he, naturalized as a Canadian? You have to be Canadian, Bob. I guess. So a? I guess he is. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, that, yeah. I, I don't know. A lot of our NBA stars are Canadian. I get that. But, I mean, we have a lot of Americans that play international basketball. Right. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, uh, so Clay how, Thompson's actually playing. I forget where he's from or where his parents are from, and so he got he was allowed to play for that team. Okay. Now I looked up R.J. Barrett. I should have known this, but he was born in Toronto, so he's cool. He's cool. He passes. He can play. He can keep going. It's good. <laughs> just think of just think of SGA and and Murray on the same team. I agree. That's I that's going to be scary. That's, I'm with you. Ugh, I'm afraid. I I am. Glad you have enlightened me this afternoon with this, because I kind of just needed something else to jumpstart this I, I this afternoon. In addition to the usual stuff that we're going to get into, I want Alexander and Edwards, especially Edwards. That's literally been my favorite guy for for a hot minute. I, I want those guys on everyone's radar. They're coming in hot this next NBA season. All right, when does the U.S. play Germany here in this other semifinal? When, tomorrow. When is, uh, tomorrow, I think. Okay, we'll keep an eye on that as well. Good start today, AJ. I like that. Gave us something else to kind of think about and talk about. We get back to college football and the NFL and Major League Baseball and our local teams and all of that for the next hour and 45 minutes. And we will do so on the midweek sun-splashed edition of the Sports Huddle. Here's what's coming up on today's Sports Huddle. Just a huge fan of sports. This is the River City Rundown. River City Rundown brought to you by our friends at the Richmond chapter of the American Red Cross. Your help is needed for the Red Cross to continue to be on call for local or national emergencies, such as these recent hurricanes, the flooding, the wildfires. And I'm going to give you a real-time example of that here in just a second. To learn how you can volunteer or donate blood, we urge you to visit Red Cross. So we're going to have Jonathan McNamara on today, who uh, works for the American Red Cross, their PR guy, uh, kind of their conduit between everybody, does a tremendous job. And he's a JMU guy, and he's a radio guy. And he comes on with us from time to time, primarily to update us on the important work that the American Red Cross, particularly in the Richmond region and Virginia, uh, is doing. 
And he was going to just come on today because it's a big football game this weekend. It's JMU at UVA. We've talked extensively about it. JMU, seven-point favorites. They're going with a new quarterback. UVA might be going with a new quarterback. It's going to be an emotional day because of the the ceremony to honor Devin Chandler and Lavelle Davis Jr. and Deshaun Perry, 50,000-plus, expected it's got all of that. And sure enough, a national call came up today of local American Red Cross chapters that Jonathan had to be on this afternoon. And it involves the things we were just talking about, whether it's the hurricanes or the flooding, um, you know, or the wildfires out west and in and Hawaii. So Jonathan, J-Mac couldn't be on with us today. We're going to try and reschedule him for tomorrow. And I do want him to give an update, like what his call was about today, to try and get help to all of these locales. But I definitely want to be a little bit more lighthearted with him and talk JMU UVA football this weekend. I would assume he's going to that game if his schedule permits Saturday. I don't know that for a fact, but we'll find out with him when he joins us tomorrow. So that's coming up, hopefully, on the Feel Good Thursday edition of the Sports Auto, which we are scheduled once again to have in studio. And Sean Robertson will be able to join us tomorrow from CBS 6 to co-host. So we will be in studio tomorrow afternoon. And that's our last show for the week because I will be out on Friday because we're traveling to East Lansing, Michigan for Saturday's Richmond Michigan State game, which you will hear here on 1061 ESPN, 3 o'clock airtime from Spartan Stadium. And speaking of spider programming, tomorrow is our season premiere of Behind the Web with head coach Russ Huseman. We have a brand new location for the show. It's again from noon to one at lunchtime, and we'll be at the Brass Tap at Libby Mill Midtown, right off of Staples Mill Road, not too far from Broad and Staples Mill. A great area, which they have really uh, redeveloped out there. And real nice spot, went in there last week for lunch and to meet everybody. And looking forward to being there from noon to one tomorrow, behind the web with head coach Russ Huseman. And yes, it's not going to be the most fun show, topic-wise, because of the spider loss to Morgan State. We'll get through that, and we'll look ahead to the Michigan State game and the rest of the season for the Spiders. And a real feel-good story is going to be our guest, Aiden Murray, Spider defensive tackle, who missed all of last year with a torn Achilles tendon and came back and in his very first game got his first quarterback sack of the season. Really had an impact for the Spider defense. Great to see him out there after missing all of last year, vivid memories of him just riding around on his scooter where he had that leg up on the scooter, and that's how mobile he was last year as he rehabbed from that injury. And now here he is getting a sack in his first game back. So Aiden Murray with Coach Usman tomorrow behind the web, the brass tap, Libby Mill, Midtown from noon until 1. Later today on this show, in fact, not that much later, coming up at 4.30, Chuck Culpepper from the Washington Post. Guess where he was this weekend? He was in Fort Worth, Texas, and he watched prime time, Coach Prime and his kids, both his sons and his players, upset TCU. And we're going to get the first-hand perspective from Chuck Culpepper of the Washington Post on that game and some of the other happenings in college football in week one. So looking forward to having him on here in about 10 minutes. Uh, we do not have a guest at the moment in the 5 o'clock hour, so we're going to be wide open. We'd love to interact with you. 804-327-0888. Way past break time, so let's hit the button. AJ, thank you for locking in, everyone, on 1061 ESPN. 
as the Braves roll toward the 2023 postseason, there is one goal in mind, a World Series title. They still have plenty of obstacles to clear before that, and you can hear all the action here on your exclusive home for the Atlanta Braves in the capital city. 1061 ESPN Richmond. Let's do this quick because I didn't get him on at all yesterday, and I'm going to squeeze him a little bit this afternoon because we have a guest coming up at 4.30. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you? Good afternoon, Bob. Hey, Bob, just real quick as well. My only comments yesterday were about Virginia Union and Virginia State University. I made those comments this morning on the Big Al show. But those are two great teams in the local area, in the 804 as well. The, well, they Go here, Bob. They certainly proved it this past week, didn't they? Particularly Virginia State stepping up a level and knocking off an FCS team in Norfolk State. How about that? How about that? Bob, the only add-on that I will say to the top of the hour conversation, there's always a 76ers in the mix. <laughs> and I will tell you guys, Joel Embiid has dual citizenship. He has. He was born in Cameroon. So he has citizenship there, but he also has citizenship in the state. And so that's the big discussion. Next year, will Joel indeed play for USA? And and, and I I heard AJ, he brings some valid points. But you look at what we're putting on the court for FIBA. And you add Joel and these, even if we add on and drop off some other players, the United States guys will win this. And I understand what's happening in Lithuania and Germany and all these other teams. But there are. And I, I think you have to be definitive when you say this. There are no better hoopsters or ballers than those who are grown on these soils. I got to see the death chart. Okay, well, I'm, I'm just going to say it. There are no better than those who have grown on these. There's competition. I won't deny that. And the competition has greatly closed the gap. But in a win-all, my bet will remain on those players who have soul in, in, in USA because they have played this game and, and, and not saying those in other countries have not, but they played this game. The AAU, the, the, even those who go to college, they are just better seasoned. And, and, and if you're cooking Pam Hawk, you want USA players on that squad. Not, not they're to, better seasoned for the Ham Hawk. Not to jump over Bob here, but the AAU is half the problem while we're not playing good across the world. Huh. I yield some of that. I yield. No, AJ is spot on. I yield some of that. But I think what it does is better prepares you, AJ, and, in this type of competition. I think it better prepares you. I think when you look at what Lithuania did Sunday, you know, they had to shoot lights out from threes. They had to make minimum errors and, and mistakes. I just think, you know, that was their best game of the season. They lost the next game thereafter. I just think, you know, given the chance that you add the prerequisite is you add indeed to that mix. That's the prerequisite. 
even if there is a Giannis playing you for Italy, you add indeed that mix, I think that's still a better squad. All that's right, we'll find opinion. out. We'll find out what Sunday. We'll talk they, about I'm it next, next week, year. Bruce. We'll talk I'm talking next year. At the Olympics. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk next week, and let's see what happens at the end of this World Cup tournament. And hold on this, but next week I want to get your thoughts on A.J. being out there on that limb and thinking that Canada can, well, let me just put it this way, could be on the medal stand. Let's not even go beyond that. Wow. But just on the medal stand next summer uh, at the at the Summer Olympics. Thanks, Bruce. we got to move. Uh, break time. Chuck Culpepper from the Washington Post coming up next. Going to talk some college football with him. And, yeah, it's prime time because he was in attendance to watch Colorado. Colorado's stunning win over TCU. We'll talk about all that and more. Chuck Culpepper, Washington Post, next on the Sports Huddle. He delivers his own take on sports. And maybe if you're lucky, a pepperoni pizza and garlic sticks. But I wouldn't count on it. He's cheap. Matt Josephs is live. Weekday afternoons beginning at 3 on 1061 ESPN Richmond. Parents, are you tired? Just past the bottom of the hour on a Wednesday afternoon. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Huddle 1061 ESPN here in the capital city of the Commonwealth of Virginia. Uh, we're going to talk with a guy who writes for the capital of the United States paper, the Washington Post. He is Chuck Culpepper. He's been covering some college football over the weekend and has seen some fascinating stuff, including Deion Sanders and his Colorado team winning at TCU. Chuck Culpepper joins us this afternoon. Hello, Chuck. How are you? Good afternoon from Texas, still in Texas. Thanks for really? having me. All right. Yep. Uh, stay down there. Why not? Yeah, you saw a doozy down there in, in Fort Worth. I love the headline, at least the online headline in the Washington Post. And now you don't write the headline, but that and your story was great, too. But Deion Sanders in Colorado get a statement win then make a lot of statements so let's take this let's take this in two parts chuck because that's kind of what you wrote about you can read his column washingtonpost.com slash sports uh what you saw and what you heard let's start with what you saw and how stunning do you think that victory really was by colorado over tcu i think it was like seven out of ten stunning Mm -hmm. on the full way to stunning Mm -hmm. and it um there were so many things about it one being uh, his son, the quarterback, Shadur Sanders, and the way he played. And I think even more than the 510 yards, which is the first 500-yard passing game in that school's history, is that just the absolute absence of mistakes. I, I can't, there were no interceptions, and I can't even think of a time there was really even a hint of one. And just so completely, you know, with it and... You wouldn't necessarily think that for a first Power 5 game. You know, this guy's been putting up beautiful numbers for two years at Jackson State, which is also not easy. But, you know, you, th- you would think maybe he-, he says the only thing that's different is that when you scramble the guys chasing you, they get off their blocks faster and get to you faster. So, you know, he seems to think it's pretty similar, and he played like it was pretty similar. That blew me away. Mm-hmm. And I guess when you throw for 510 yards, you better have some pretty darn good receivers. And I think he had, what, four 100-yard receivers in that game, Chuck? Four 100-yard receivers. <laughs> and just just players all over the place and routes all over the place. And, you know, a lot of short passes. A lot of um makes me always think of Bill Walsh thinking way back, you know. A lot of, a lot of just short, controlled passing game 
And then when he had to throw the deep ball, though, he threw that really well, too. So I was thoroughly, thoroughly – I mean, I just came – I was at the Women's World Cup in Australia, and I was thinking, gosh, is the jet lag still getting to me? Because I, I, <laughs> I thought they'd be okay. I didn't think they'd get routed or anything, but they were just – they were they were very good in a precise way for an opener, especially the precision was great, but also they knew how to win. It was like they already knew how to win for a program that went one and eleven last year, and of course, eighty-six new players. So that explains some of it. So, Chuck, because you were there, let's let's go there for a moment. What was the vibe in the stadium like? What was the vibe before the game started? I mean, this is a TCU team that played in the national championship game, didn't really show up, but played in the national championship game a year ago. They're not as good this year, but they still came in preseason top twenty. And then how that vibe changed as that game unfolded? Yeah, I mean the. Just you know, you walking up toward it, all the, all the purple, all the sound signs about frogs. You know, it's such a great mascot idea. <laughs> it's such a, you know, it's such sort of essence of college football in that way. Um, it's not a humongous stadium. It's a, it's a pretty big one, but it's not a humongous stadium, so it has a great feel to it. Um, new season, as you've heard about the weather in Texas, you know, just scary hot. So that was one thing about it, and that was another thing. Of later, you think about trying to run an offense in that in that heat too, um, that was impressive. But anyway, uh, yeah, great atmosphere leading in. They they've just had this big season, even though they lost that playoff game, they the title game. They still beat Michigan in the in the national mm-hmm. semi, um, which they still you know still have some glow off of that. You could feel it, but then you could just you could sense as it went on, you know the there were a lot of plays that quieted the crowd. You know, they'd, they'd get revved up. There was a big fourth down at, at where Colorado scored its winning touchdown. There was a couple big third downs. And so the, there were just a lot of times when when you thought it was, you know, you're, if, you're, if you're a TCU fan, you probably don't, you don't yet have the arrogance built over decades of success that other places have. But, you know, maybe they a feeling of, yeah, we're we're just about to put it together. We're just about to get there. We're just about to get a stop for a change, and then it would just go quiet. Uh, as they watched a lot of those big plays made by Colorado, almost all of them involved Travis Hunter because he was on the field both offensively and defensively, and as you wrote, he went all Shohei Otani on the game. What a remarkable performance there, Chuck. And in that, in that heat, you know, 11 a.m. start it was, so – Long about one thirty or two. Actually, it took a long time that game too. But long about one thirty-two, two thirty. You're getting toward the worst part of the day, and he's on you know his hundred twentieth play, hundred thirtieth play. I think he got to one forty-four at the end. Hmm. Um, uh, give him the Heisman right now. Of course, they don't <laughs> give it right now. But you know, if they did, um, I, I just I I marvel at Otani. I in a way, I can't believe that anyone can do what he does, you know. And so, and this guy, you know, the same thing. And, he, you know, he he's, he came in afterward in his, his Deion Sanders T-shirt, too. So he's followed him to two schools now. And, um, you know, when he, when he first was a number one recruit in the USA from Georgia, and they, they were uh, – and he, he, he 
chooses Jackson State. He has the pick of everybody. He chooses Jackson State. There were people who wondered if he hindered himself with that. I never bought into that at all. I think if you've got that kind of talent and drive and, and work ethic, the NFL will find you where wherever you go. I thought it was it was a you know beautiful statement that he made when he went there. So now he's followed him to Colorado as well, and now he's the Heisman front runner. Really something. Really, really something. All right, Chuck, let's go all in on Coach Prime here. As you quoted him, when he walks in to meet the media after the game, he's certainly not going to miss an opportunity like this. I got all my receipts. Should I pull out all my receipts now? <laughs> what did you hear? What What did you take away from everything that was vintage primetime Deion Sanders? Well, I mean, some of the receipts, like all such receipts in those situations, are at least a little bit manufactured. You know, you, you, you're hunting for slights wherever you can find them. It's sort of, sort of part of the history of athletes, right? They're very good at, at finding someone who doubted them, you know, in, in, in the lay, all the layers of coverage they've gotten. You know, they've, they're, they're very good at that, and he's... He certainly played that that day. I, I don't really get a sense. I think a lot of people didn't like how he revamped the roster, mm-hmm. you know, and they criticized that. But that's different from saying, hey, it's not going to work. And he seemed to be, you know, after those guys who, uh, after people in the media who he presumed uh, did not, quote, believe, unquote. So um, it was a lot. It was very entertaining. <laughs> It was uh, way above what you normally get from the from the post game uh, press conference of football coaches who are who are a notoriously uh, kind of purposely dull lot. And um, but it, it, yeah, it was very entertaining. And it but I, I did kind of sit there thinking, uh, it's a tr- tremendous win this is, but it's a lot of talk for one win, you know. And I think. Society has kind of pushed that way too. We we make our evaluations faster than we used to. We don't wait for you know a whole season to unfold before we evaluate somebody. And it felt like they had evaluated the the Colorado season um, very quickly based on that. Yeah, I mean they still got you know well Nebraska this week. I'll ask you about that in just a second, and I want to move on to a little bit of other college football in the time we've got. But I mean they've still got uh, Oregon and Oregon State and USC uh, and Utah, all those teams uh, still to go. And what's been a glorious start for the Pac-12, an unbeaten start, in fact, for the for the Pac-12. So let's let's not you know jump the gun just yet. But what do you think Saturday will be like? You know now they play at home. It was going to be hyped anyway, and now they win this game and they get Nebraska coming in there uh, this Saturday for their first home game. Well, here I am. I just said, you know, I just said, well, that's only one game, but <laughs> I'm, uh, here I am operating this bit of thinking off that game by saying I really, really expect them to win. I mean, I, yeah. Nebraska <laughs> has such problems scoring, for one thing. Uh, what was that? Minnesota, the opener against Minnesota, they probably should have, you could say they should have won. They were up 10 Ten nothing, I believe, and lost thirteen ten ten three late. Um, going into Colorado and the excitement that's going to be there, you know, I've been starving for a long time in this case. And uh, in the case of you know Colorado fans, it's one of the best places in the United States to watch a game 
I think I always put it two on my list behind Wisconsin, but um, it's, you know, it's the, the level of energy there is going to be, I actually don't see how Nebraska can win the game. Yeah. I can't believe we're saying that. <laughs> I know, but but uh, you make a very compelling compelling point there for sure. Uh, Chuck Culpepper from the Washington Post uh, joining us. So that was you know one of the headline stunners, and I know there are a few others, but we only got a few minutes left, so I want to get to the one at least in our region that we talked about a lot yesterday, and that was Duke's win over Clemson. And you know it certainly didn't grab the headlines like Dion did. But, man, oh, man, that was a heck of a performance by a basketball school, wasn't it? It sure was. And, you know, that that is a startling I, – I, I don't know if I thought Clemson was going to be in the playoff or anything this year, but I thought it was going to be a case where, you know, they've still been very good. They were just so used to being uh, utmost good, you know, top of the country good for a few years there, quite a few years there. That being very good seemed like a letdown, I think, for some of their fans, maybe many of their fans. Um, I kind of expected them to maybe curve the, the curve to go back up again. And so I was just completely startled with that, that and that score and, you know, I guess, turnovers in the red zone. And, you know, they, they probably, if you think about it, were not that much dominated in a 28 to 7 way which was the final score they probably were not that much dominated uh possession to possession if you think about it but mm-hmm. the mistakes and it's just you know they they had become this program where when they play their conference opponents like duke you don't even think about it really and mm-hmm. and while they used to have one or two close calls a year it seemed um the idea that Duke beat them like that was just really, really surprised me. Absolutely. Sure did. Hey, let me ask you about one more, and maybe I'm going off the beaten path just a little bit here, and obviously we don't catch up ahead of time and say, Chuck, here are the teams or the games that we're going to talk about. Um, but Virginia's playing its first home game, Chuck, on Saturday since last year's tragedy, Devin Chandler, Lavelle Davis Jr., Deshaun Perry, uh, and the tragedy that the entire country obviously um, was watching and feeling for them. What do you think that will be like for that Virginia football team uh, come this, this Saturday against James Madison? I think that's hard. I think it's it's a tough way to go out and play, I'm sure. Um, it's It's still... And probably will always be. Uh, I'll just feel that's my school, obviously. And while it's been a long time since I went to school there, mm-hmm. yep, just completely brokenhearted. I think that would be true, true word at any school. But when you can, when you can picture all the, you know, the the setting around it, the places around it, and and then something just, just so unspeakably tragic happens. I think. Um, I, I just, those, those were beloved men, those, those three men. And, and I think the teammates who love them, I think that's a difficult equation to go out and play in what's going to be, um, you know, just such a highly emotional occasion. And I, I, um, I, I really respect sort of the, the act of playing mm-hmm. after something like that in the sense of 
um, in the sense of how you do it and how hard it is. And, and um, I don't think anybody should place any expectations on a team going through that on a day like that. Absolutely. Well said by the Virginia Cavalier that you are. Chuck, thank you so much uh, for this afternoon, particularly for the insight on Deion Sanders and the Colorado win against TCU. And uh, we look forward to catching up with you with more talk as the fall unfolds for us. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you so much. Thank you. Chuck Culpepper from the Washington Post. Yeah, he uh, got his B.A. degree at the University of Virginia. So, you know, that it tugs on the, the heartstrings of everyone, but particularly the alums. And if you happen to know those three guys uh, or you know somebody who knows those guys. Uh, and I heard Mike Barber on with, with Matt earlier this afternoon talking about, you know, this thing could go one of two ways on Saturday. This could be the, the cleansing that they need to be able to never, as we've said, move on but move forward. Uh, They've got to get past this one. They played the first game last week. Uh, Now I think they've got to get through the emotion of this one this week. And as we even um, talked about with Jalen Walker from James Madison, the the guys on the other sideline will feel this as well. Uh, They they get it. They'll they'll be there. They'll they'll get through that ceremony as well. They're wearing the decals on the back of their helmets as well. Everybody's all in on this together as well they should be. And then they're going to put a football on a tee at about 12.05, and they're going to kick it off, and it's going to be a football game. And then we'll see how that unfolds as well. Fascinating stuff. All right, Chuck Colpep from the Washington Post. Again, great to have that uh, first-hand perspective on what he saw and felt at TCU Saturday for, for Colorado and TCU. And, yeah, I don't think Colorado loses this week at home uh, to a scuffling Nebraska team anyway that, that has already uh, lost a game this year and will you know, be going into a hornet's nest there at, at Colorado. All right, break time, 448 on the Sports Huddle. Once again, we're flying through this 4 o'clock hour. We're going to keep it going, 1061 ESPN. Gift of sports. All you have to do is accept it. And perhaps send a thoughtful thank you card. Jamie King is live weekday mornings at 7 on 1061 ESPN Richmond. Just a couple of minutes until we get to uh, the top of the hour and the ESPN Sports Center update. So I'll go off the rails a little bit again. Um, I actually am hosting remotely uh, today, the home studio. And, of course, with the Phillies playing a day game, it's up there on the monitor, on the TV monitor. I like to call it the monitor when I'm in the home studio instead of just a darn TV, which is really what it is. But I glance up, and there's Bryce Harper, and he's almost unrecognizable coming up to bat. Because if you watch them at all, every other day, highlights, whatever, Bryce Harper all year has been full bearded, right? Full beard, full mustache, the long hair, all of that. Full I look of up it. at the, oh, What's that? Full of it. Yeah, Yes. Right, all of that. Not when he's on your team, he's not. When he's on the other guy's team, then he is full of it. Um, I look up, and he's clean-shaven. Yeah, Bryce Harper has gone clean-shaven. You want to know why, AJ? Not he, sure. It's not November yet. He is not right. I, I my, my kid used to do that all the time. 
right? What was that called? Like no shave, no shave November. November. Yeah, he he he. Well, now he doesn't shave any month of the year. But anyway, that's another story. And he's fine. He's a that's good that looking. Duke. Uh, that's that Duke uh, surrounding. <laughs> well, he couldn't work for the Yankees. If he's working for the Yankees, it would all have to come off. But anyway, and he doesn't. So Duke lets him do that. You're right. Um, Bryce Harper's O for his last 21. O for his last 20. He is O for September. So this is not no shave November. This is no hit September for Bryce Harper. So I'm guessing he's trying to change his luck a little bit there. So I don't know how the wife and kids are going to feel about that when they get back home uh, to Philadelphia late tonight, tomorrow. But, yeah, Bryce Harper's gone clean shaven. I hardly recognized him. And he still got out. So he's 0 for 2 today. Um, or he's 0 for 1 with a walk today. So at Maybe least he's he got to shave that head. Maybe. Maybe he will have to do that. I don't know. And I got another funny one to tell you just as we go to the break. So Trey Turner yesterday, the Phillies put him on the paternity leave list, and he flew back to Philadelphia because his wife was having a baby, which is great, and that's what he should do. But it came out very quickly on Twitter. It was exactly nine months to the day that Trey Turner signed his $300 million contract with the Phillies. You figure out the math there, AJ. Exactly nine months to the day that he signed his three hundred million. <laughs> I'm glad Trey's getting some love. <laughs> Absolutely. So he didn't play yesterday. He's not playing today. The Phillies are off tomorrow. He'll be back on Friday. So good for him. His wife loves him because you guys don't. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, we do. We gave him a standing ovation. He was zero for twenty, and we didn't boo him. We gave him a standing O, and then he be, then he was National League Player of the Week last week. Credit the Philly fans for that. And Trey Turner's hard work to get it done. Uh, we didn't work very hard at all this hour. This was really easy to do. Don't tell the bean counters that. They won't pay us for it, AJ. We worked our tails off. Hour two of the Sports Huddle coming up. 1061 ESPN. Off to the Races Horse Racing Show 